Well, yesterday would have been our big egg hunt, and um, I'm kind of disappointed. I know a lot of people are disappointed about that, but I promise you we're going to move it to another date, possibly in the middle or end of summertime. Uh, the candy, the good thing about that, it preserves forever. So we'll throw a big party. It'll be a, the biggest of all, I think, because we want to celebrate coming back together, a big egg hunt, block party. It'll be a very special time. Well, I'm so glad you've joined, of course, on this online experience. Uh, several things that was really fun about last week. Uh, a little picture of my granddaughter, Ember, and she's there watching her dad deliver the message, talking about the good shepherd. Here she is sitting on the floor, looking at her dad speak, and notice what's in her hand. It's a sheep. It's her own little sheep because she recognizes that she is a little sheep and Jesus is the good shepherd. I also love this, this little uh, letter that came from some of the kids to Pastor Jeremy. Here's what it says, if you can see it on the, on the screen. It says, don't worry, Pastor Jeremy, we're still having Cocoa Church. We have hot chocolate and we learn about Jesus, so we're still having church. Love, Sierra. Good job, parents, and great job, grandparents, to have these meaningful experiences with your kids and gathering your family together. Uh, I love this at the end of last ga- the, the, the gathering last week is that we had communion, and here's the Jensen kids, all four of them sitting on the, the couch there together, Madison, Rhea, Riker, and Maya, and they're having communion together. And so I hope you've prepared to do that again today because we're gonna end today's gathering by taking the Lord's Supper together and uh, remembering what he did for us on the cross. So great job. Well, of course, it's been a great week. Tuesday, we had a phenomenal uh, opportunity once again to deliver food on behalf of those people who are in our community and marginalized and need help. And so here's some pictures of that. It's just to-go bags. We're, we're practicing social distancing. We're making sure that we're safe and gloved up, but we're still giving Jesus to people as they walk in. And I want you to notice in this picture here, Um, The gentleman, his name is Todd, and Todd isn't new to us. Matter of fact, Laura met Todd at the shelter. We all met Todd at the shelter, and Laura brought him over to make sure he had something warm to eat, and as we connected with Todd, he began to tell us stories of how throughout this last season, not only at the shelter did he meet many of, of you who volunteered and cared for him, but some of you actually bought him meals that you went the extra mile and you really loved and, and gave great compassion to Todd. And, and he, he teared up sharing his story with us, telling, telling us how much he misses the shelter volunteers. I just want to share that to you. He misses the body of Christ. And so thank you for continuing to love people like Todd. And, and you're just, you're so generous. So of course we can't pass the plate Uh, Many of you, you're just giving through the offering and through these envelopes. You're sending them in through the mail or you're dropping them off at the church. Many of you did that this last week. Of course, the best way is to go to our online giving and just click the the button there and give online. But I want to say thank you so much for continuing to give. I know not everybody can give like they used to, and that might change for you, but do what you can, and the Lord will honor and he will bless you for giving sacrificially. So thank you, Bethel Church, for being generous. Um, I love what we're doing on Sunday afternoons now. Uh, You may not know this, but a good Samaritan said, I wanna help pay for meals. We wanna do more, and so we're offering now these lunches on Sunday afternoon, no other place to get a, a hot meal, but now they can at the Lewis and Clark building. We started last week, and right after church, 12 o'clock, 70 folks came to get a hot lunch, 
and we're gonna do that again throughout this pandemic. But I just wanna say, it's great to see people who have the means to give say, I wanna do more, and this gentleman said, I wanna sponsor that. So thanks again, Bethel Church, and thank you for your giving. It's, it's a challenging time, and I know that uh, many of you are, are uh, walking through unknown, uncertainty. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled, but trust in God. Don't let your hearts be troubled. So we're talking about this, this series, Untroubled Hearts. And we're gonna, again, go through uh, today, Psalms 23. And then I'm gonna invite Brittany to come and join us. And I'm gonna have her share a story. But let me just read uh, Psalms 23. Many of you are memorizing it. I love it, kids. Continue to memorize that and put it on Facebook. Share that with us. Parents, you memorize it too, and grandparents. This is good for all of us. But let's read it together, and then we'll talk about verse 4 today, but Psalms 23 starts like this. Read it aloud with me, would you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalms 23. Of course, when David wrote this, he was running for his life. His world was upside down. He was a fugitive. He had death and he had danger pursuing him. And he wrote this great psalm that many of us have heard and learned uh, even as we were little kids. Um, I don't know about you, but maybe your world is upside down. Maybe you feel danger all around you. Maybe you feel the uncertainty of times. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled, but trust in God, trust in him. Uh, today I've invited Brittany to come, and she's going to come and share just a little bit of how this pandemic, how COVID-19, come on up Brittany, has, it, it's affected you. I know it's affected a lot of people, but for you it's been very unique how it's affected yeah. you. Many, many know Brittany, she's our worship leader, mm -hmm. pastor, does a great job. Typically she's up here singing, but today I've asked her to come and to share your story because it's, yeah. it's very unusual and it's a bit um, frustrating as well. Would you share that with us and how this whole thing, being sheltered, being stuck at home, is affecting your life? Can you share that with yeah. us? Yeah, yeah. thanks so much for inviting me to share. Um, well, for those of you who don't know, um, I am engaged. My fiance, Austin, and I have been together for about a year and a half, and eight months ago we became engaged, and we set our wedding date for May 9th of this year, which he's is... He's a super good guy, by the way. He's awesome. I'm <laughs> so excited to marry him. So this is exciting because I get to marry him. Um, and it's also exciting because I'm a very typical girl, and I've been dreaming about my wedding day my entire life. And I've always dreamt about having a, a huge wedding and just a big party with all of my friends and family. And so it's been really fun over the past eight months to, to plan this dream wedding. And now the wedding is just about a month away, which would be super exciting if we were not in the middle of a worldwide pandemic happening right now. And um, a lot of brides 
the month before their wedding are kind of thinking about, you know, the last minute catering details and their, their RSVPs and their honeymoon packing list, but, but I'm just kind of waiting to see if, if I can have my wedding. And so the tension that I'm feeling in my heart is that I absolutely know that God is, is using this international crisis to, to bring spiritual awakening to believers and, and to unbelievers alike, and I desperately want to see his purposes accomplished, but, but there's also this, this broken part of my heart that honestly feels kind of cheated mm. out of something that I've been waiting a long time for and is, and is just out of my reach. And so, so where does peace come from? You know, in, in the current state of our world where we are the farthest thing from, from peaceful, where does, where does peace come from? One of my favorite scriptures that I've been thinking about the last couple of days is, is Psalm 34, 5. It says that those who look to the Lord for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame or disappointment will cover their faces. And so as I've been thinking about these words this week um, and just kind of repeating them to myself over and over while simultaneously hearing all these negative updates um, from the government about, about the virus, I'm, I'm wondering how on earth I can be radiant with joy when, when the world is, it really seems like it's spinning out of control and, and the miracle that I've been praying for that I can have this wedding um, on May 9th really looks like it's, it's not going to happen. And it's really easy to wallow in feelings of, of God, why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting this happen to me? And, and do, you even, do you even care about this in the midst of all these people that are, that are getting sick from this virus and people that are losing their jobs? Like, do, do the details of my little wedding even matter to God? And something that God has reminded me of more than once over the last few weeks is that is that God cares about, he cares about my heart. He cares about the things that break my heart. And what matters to me matters to him because he loves me. And so often lately I have felt like, like a fallen sheep flailing on the ground mm. like Pastor Nate talked about last week. I very much resonate with that image of a flailing sheep. But, but the most hopeful thing that I can tell my heart in this time isn't that everything's going to be okay or that I'm sure this will all blow over in 35 days when my wedding gets here because that's not promised and I really don't know how that's going to turn out. But, but the most hopeful thing I can tell my heart is that God is my shepherd and that he is a good shepherd and that when I put my trust in him, He's going to take care of me, and he's going to provide for me. And even when I do go through valleys, inevitably, that I don't have to be afraid because he's with me and because he's going to restore my soul, because he's a good shepherd, because he loves me and he cares for me. And that when I put my trust in him and I look to him for help, he will make me radiant with joy and he'll fill my heart with peace. And so, yes, the peace of God is present with me, and, and so are some tears, because you can, you can have both. And, and I don't know what's going to happen with this wedding on May 9th. I would love to believe that there's going to be 400 people that are able to come. Um, but but there, there are two things that I absolutely know, no matter what, will be true at the end of the day on May 9th, on my wedding day. And the first is that, is that Austin and I will be married, which is the best. I'm so excited. That will be true at the end of the day on May 9th. And the second thing is that is that God will still be loving me 
and caring for me like he always has been. And I don't, I don't know why the coronavirus is, like why God's allowing it to rampage the nations or why people have to lose their jobs or why people don't get to celebrate their graduations or their proms or why I might not get to have the wedding that I've been dreaming about. I don't know, but, but I do know that, that God loves me and that his love never fails. And I think that's, that's all I really need to know. That's so awesome, Brittany. I'm proud of you. Our whole team has watched you as this thing has come in rapidly, knowing it's changed your dreams and your plans. And what's really fun is to witness your countenance and your reaction or response toward this, to walk in peace. And it's such a witness that joy and peace doesn't come from our circumstance. Mm-mm. It comes from our shepherd, our yeah. good shepherd, who is always good. Absolutely. And good will come from this. So, so I admire what you are doing and how you are facing this. We know there are people who have much, much worse circumstances, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to invite you. Would you, because you're feeling, you're right in the middle of this. You're feeling the, the pain of this, the mm-hmm. frustration of this. But would you pray just for yeah. a moment for people who are financially feeling the pinch, mm-hmm. who are feeling underemployed or unemployed or people who are just struggling with even a, a physical part of this, yeah. would you pray and, and I want to agree with you today that Jesus will be the shepherd mm-hmm. and he will bring peace to their lives. Would you do that? Would I'd you just lead to. us? Amen. Yeah. yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your presence with us. I, I thank you for all that you have done so that you can be present with us. Lord, and there are things that are waging war for our peace. There are things that are waging war um, for, for, the, for the amazing just serenity that you, that you fill us with, even in the midst of, of chaos. Hmm. So Lord, I pray that you would give comfort yes. to those of us who, who feel like we're flailing, Amen. like we're flailing sheep and we just, we don't know how yep. this is gonna end up. Father, you see us, and, and not only do you see us, but you are walking with this right. through us, the earth, the walking with this, um, with us through this, Lord. And I, and I pray, Lord, for, yes. for healing yep. in the name of Jesus mm-hmm. from this virus, God. We do pray that it would flee in the name of Jesus and that you would stop the spread of this virus, Lord, so that we can begin to be together again like you've Mm. created us to. But Father, we don't know when it's gonna end. We Mm. don't know what your plan is. So I pray that you would give us the courage to trust you right now in the middle of the chaos before the answer comes, before the miracle comes. God, give us a peace that surpasses understanding, that Mm. rises above understanding. And we choose to look to you for help. And I pray Mm. that you would make us radiant with joy and your peace. And Mm. I do pray that you would miraculously provide this month financially. I pray that there would be an incredible provision for our rent and for our grocery list, Lord, and for, for our kids that are frustrated in, in learning um, online in, in their schooling. Lord, I pray that you would give grace in that area. God, would you give an, an, an extra portion of patience um, for us that are irritated and cooped up in our homes and feeling anxious and struggling. God, I pray that you would give us all that we need, Lord, and you are all that yes. we need. So I pray we would make more room for you in our hearts, Lord. 
We glorify you in this time because you are, are worthy of praise all the time, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, Amen. Brittany. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks Thank for sharing you. your story with us today. Absolutely. Bless you. Give her a good hand right there. Mm -hmm. some, uh, give her some of those love buttons there and uh, thumbs <laughs> up. and We appreciate that. Well, I'm going to continue with just Psalms 23. You've still got your Bible open. I just want to share a couple thoughts with, with you today. And hopefully, you don't mind me kind of going a little deeper into the behavior and um, of, of sheep because the Bible refers to us as sheep and I think it's really important that we understand what does that look like? Um, what did David really, what did, he, what did he mean when he wrote that, that we were like sheep and the, and the, good, good, the good Lord is our shepherd? So we're gonna dive into that but, but one of the things that already uh, has been expressed by Brittany and Nate last week, he talked about a sheep that was down or cast, a sheep that was cast or downcast and here's a little bit of a video what that looks like. Some of you might not realize it, a sheep that might be walking along, here it is, walking along and if he missteps, if that sheep gets um, in, into a, a gutter or a hole or something, it can actually flip over and because the wool of the sheep is so heavy, it can't get back on its feet. It's actually top heavy and it'll lie there actually for hours to its own death unless somebody, the good shepherd, comes along and rolls that sheep back over onto its feet that sheep would perish. Isn't that amazing? And that happens often. And so David, no wonder he said these words, he says in Psalms 43, 5, why are you cast down? Wow, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, or put your hope in God. He is my salvation. I will praise him, my salvation and my God. So I don't know if that's you, Brittany just alluded to it, that perhaps you have felt like you've been scooped off your feet or, or, or knocked off your feet. And so today, I hope you'll lean in today. There's a good shepherd watching out for you and for me, the sheep. So let's just talk about sheep for a little bit. Uh, they're so amazing. Of course, the scripture talks about in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. But we have all turned our own way. Basically that saying is that we all do what we want to do. That's what sheep do. We try to get our own way. Sheep um, are notorious for, for creating habits. And they will stay grazing in the same place. They'll follow the same trails. They'll eat until there's no more grass left. They'll eat, as a matter of fact, they'll eat so much down to the nubbins of the grass that they'll kill the roots of that grass, where that grass will no longer recover. They'll completely devastate a beautiful pasture and make it a wasteland if you allow them to stay there. They'll just keep grazing and eat everything in sight. So they'll ravage those areas. So the greatest thing a shepherd has to do, as a matter of fact, that wasteland will become an area of, of, of parasites and disease if the shepherd doesn't get those sheep to move on. It's one of the biggest challenges a shepherd has is to keep the sheep moving. He has to get the sheep to move on. They, they have to rotate from pasture to pasture, from field to field. So a successful shepherd has to keep them moving. No wonder David says this in verse 3b, just before we get to our verse 4. He says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
The shepherd has to keep the balance between the growth of the pasture and the grazing pressure upon it. It's kind of like if you go to the golf course, you play golf and you go to that that tee box or even at the driving range, you notice that they always are moving the tee box or moving the driving range because after a while that grass just becomes raw and there's nothing left of it. And so they have to keep moving the tee box to allow the grass to recover. That's what the shepherd has to do with us as sheep. He has to keep moving us from field to field, from pasture to pasture for our best health. But we want to stay exactly where we are Sheep left to themselves will devour every tuft of grass and every green thing in front of us. Sheep don't know when to quit, and neither do we. People don't know when to quit. If you think about people, we're just like, we're just like sheep, right? We don't take breaks. We don't take vacations. We don't take Sundays off, right? If there's more grass to eat, we're gonna eat it. If there's more money to make, we're going to try to make it. If there's more sports to be played, we're going to try to play them. We're going to get our kids out there. If there's another tournament on a weekend, we're going to do everything we can to get our kids into that tournament. We just don't know sometimes how to balance our lives. And it requires a shepherd. Some of us have been resistant to move into new places and change our schedules and change our habits and slow down and silent ourselves. Rest. And Jesus, the good shepherd, is trying to get us to move toward the righteous path and enter a different field. And I'm just kind of wondering, I'm not saying God allowed or God caused this time we're in at all, this sheltering time, but I'm just saying he always uses things like this for our good. And I'm just wondering if quarantines and self-sheltering has moved us as a people into a different field and maybe even a better field. In many ways, it's a field that has potential to make us even healthier as human beings. It's a field where we can't just go make more money or play more sports or spend more time at shopping malls. In this field, it's an opportunity for people to break some bad habits and maybe begin some new good ones. The pandemic has forced us to focus on different things. No longer, instead of just focusing on ourselves, we're focusing on the needs of others. Unlike any other time, we're focusing on other people and what their need is. Instead of insisting on my own rights, I'm looking out for the favor of others. Instead of grumbling about my own life, we're filled with compassion for those who are struggling, who have been affected deeply by COVID-19. Instead of asserting my will, I'm willing to surrender to his. And instead of choosing my way, I'm choosing his way. Instead of being the top ram, I'm willing to be the tail ender, right? These are paths of righteousness for his namesake. That even through this pandemic, the good shepherd is stirring something new in us. And I hope you'll embrace that as followers of Christ. Following Christ is much different than following someone on Instagram. It, it's much different than just watching their fashion statement or watching their hairstyle style or, or their greatest or latest tattoo. That's not following. Following Christ means I'm gonna mimic him. I'm gonna think, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna behave like Christ. And I believe that that's what the good shepherd is trying to get us to do.
Let me ask you this question. Um, have you really missed the old pattern? Some of you, have you really missed maybe March Madness? Have you really missed the Mariners uh, like you actually thought you would? I mean, because I've seen some of you start to replace that with maybe some better things, like doing a garden together, doing a puzzle with family and kids around your, your home, learning how to cook and eat a meal together again as a family. Somehow it slowed our pace down, and somehow I'm starting to see some good new rhythms of life happening in this new field. Maybe it's a new path of righteousness. See, the problem is, toward the end of the summer, the best feeding for sheep is up in the highlands. The shepherd knows he has to move these sheep from the low grazing lands up into the highlands where the grass is, right? So, but the problem is, it's, it's a long ways up there and it's dangerous to get up there. It's these high meadows that he's trying to get these sheep to. But he's got to move them up there. And it's these dangerous um, streams that he has to cross and it's these, these valleys that he has to go through. I don't know if you've ever climbed a mountain, but, but the gentlest, the easiest way to go up is to walk through these valleys and these canyons and these ravines and you do these, these switchbacks to climb up higher. And so, the shepherd's taken these sheep up and the shepherd has to be ready for anything because it's in those places where there's actually danger. You know, there's predators up there. There's the cougar. There's the things. There's the wolves. There's the predators. There's also on, the, on these trails, you know what else? There's rocks. There's avalanches. There's things that can become very difficult at times for sheep and things that could be actually very detrimental to their own safety. And the shepherd has to get them up there through these avalanche areas and possibly poisonous plants that they might eat, predators that are there, even storms that could come, flash floods that could happen. And so the shepherd is guiding, and so no wonder we we get to this next verse, verse four, that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And we can see in these, these valleys, there, there's these places of danger. Walking up through these valleys, it's, it's the place where the most danger exists. The rock slides, the avalanches, the poisonous plants. But the shepherd knows this is the only path to take the sheep to greener pastures. Because he cares for the health of his sheep. Of course, sheep, they hate changing fields. Sheep would rather stay where they are. They would rather do what they've always done. We don't like to change our routines. We like to dictate our own rhythms of life. And honestly, we're frightened. We're shaken up and we're panicked when storms come, when the lightning comes. Sheep get nervous and they get scared. And that's why we come to David's words and he says it in verse four, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The good shepherd has these tools. Shepherds carry not much. They, they only carry a small pouch. Usually it's got their lunch and a water bottle perhaps or first aid kit. But they also have two things and I have one here. I have a rod. And this rod is, is actually what the shepherd uses. It's kind of like a club. He also has a staff and I have one down here on the ground but a staff. But these are the two tools that a shepherd uses. And this rod really is an extension of his right arm. 
This rod helps in times of danger. If there's a predator, shepherds are actually really good at throwing a rod. They can scare a sheep when it goes to eat possibly a poisonous plant. Or they can also scare a predator that's coming at a sheep. So the rod is very, very powerful and very useful to the shepherd. It's an extension of the shepherd's right arm. The rod was a symbol of his strength, his power, and his authority was the rod. He relied on this rod to protect his flock from danger. It was the instrument used for disciplining and training as well if a sheep went astray. His staff or his rod would reach out. David is really saying the shepherd's rod is like the trusted, it's the word of God. This is the tool that the shepherd uses today. God's word is used for our protection, for our discipline, for our comfort. And when we get off the path, and when we need correction, and when we need comfort, this is the extension of God today for us. Can I just tell you, this is the best place to go when you are frightened, when you are nervous, when you're hungry, or when you need comfort. This is the extension of God, the good shepherd. It's just like our good shepherd who extends his authority to us. No wonder David wrote these words in Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. He says this, he says, search me, O God, know my heart, He says, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know what David's saying? He's saying, I don't just read this word. This word, it reads me. It helps me. It exposes disease. It shows me where I need to be corrected, where my jealousy or my envy or my selfishness is is out of control. See, the shepherd, he would take this rod, and when the sheep would come into the gate, he would take this rod, and he would just kind of run it through the wool of the sheep. What was he doing? He was looking for parasites, insects, anything that would cause disease to that sheep. So the word of God searches our heart. It searches our thoughts to bring about healing and to remove anxiousness and to bring comfort to us. You remember Jesus when he was tempted in the desert? Do you remember what he did? When Satan came to him with temptation, what did Jesus use? He used used the word of God. It is written. He used the word of God to expel the temptation Lastly, I just want to look at one more thought. Then we're going to close and we're going to have communion together. But notice it says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say I sit there. It doesn't say I lie there. But it says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, death for the believer, death for the Christian, it isn't a stopping place. And I'm so grateful for that. It's not our final resting place. For the, for the Christ follower, death is only a valley that we walk through. Where does it lead? It leads to a higher ground. It leads to a better place. And Jesus himself, he walked through that valley of death as well. Jesus became the lamb as well. But it wasn't his destination And it wasn't his final resting place. And I'm so glad we get to celebrate that next weekend as we talk about resurrection. But Jesus didn't stay there. He didn't sit there. He didn't lie there. For any of you who have lost a loved one, this should bring you 
great comfort today. Christ followers, we walk through death. We walk through the the valley of death, but it takes us to a higher ground. For the believer, there is no dead end. There is no dead end for the believer. And I'm so grateful for that. There is a, a higher ground that Jesus has in mind for all of us who are called his sheep, his people. So when the frustration of this pandemic hits your home and you're faced with dark valleys, uh, trouble, financial insecurity, I hope you'll lean in to this idea today that God's rod, his word is extending to us today for comfort, for help. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey knowing on this day, Sunday, Palm Sunday, he rode into Jerusalem knowing he would not come out alive. That's the power of the triumphal entry. But Jesus knew also that as he went through the valley, the shadow of death, he did not have to fear because he had the comfort. He had the word of God written about his outcome. He knew that three days later, after Good Friday, would come a resurrection. And that was a game changer for him and for us. For us. We're going to celebrate Good Friday, of course, and I hope you will with this because without, um, without a Good Friday, there couldn't be a resurrection. But I hope you'll join in and be a part of that. As a matter of fact, um, Jesus became the Lamb of God. He became the Passover Lamb. And on Wednesday night, we're going to do the Seder meal, which is really all about the meaning of the Passover Lamb of God, which Jesus became for us. I hope you'll join us for that. But recognize this, the reason and the way that Jesus was able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil is because the written word of God was deeply seated into his mind and his heart. He knew the prophecies written way long ago, hundreds of years earlier, one prophet by Zechariah who promised that Jesus would rise again. Not only that, but there would be coming a day of the Lord where after death itself and after all of the things that would happen on this earth were prophesied. Jesus would once again come back to this world alive, not riding on a donkey, but this time riding on a white horse. Let me just close with Zechariah. Here's what it says, Zechariah 14, verse one. He says, watch for the day of the Lord is coming when your possessions will be plundered right in front of you I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. This is talking about the end times. The city will be taken, the houses looted, the women raped, half the population will be taken into captivity, and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he has fought in times past. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will, be, will move toward the north and half toward the south. And then let's go to Revelation. Let me just read Revelation 19, verse 11 and verse 15. And it says this, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. 
Verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is how it ends. Jesus comes not on a donkey, not on a colt, but on a white horse to declare himself to be the king of kings. I'm so glad that he is today. He is your and he is my good shepherd. Would you pray with me? And then we're going to take communion together. Jesus, we thank you that you faced even the valley of death, that you suffered, that even in your suffering became the greatest the greatest act of grace, the greatest good thing that could ever happen to the earth came from your greatest suffering. For when you came into that city that day, you knew you would die on a cross, that Good Friday would be not so good for you, but it would be very good for the rest of us. And Father, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, thank you for being obedient, even unto death. We thank you that you, the good shepherd, lead us and can lead us into paths of righteousness and you can take us through even the valley, the shadow of death where we don't have to fear any evil for you are with us. Thank you that you are with us, that your rod, your scripture, your word, and your staff, they comfort us today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for anyone gathered in their home that maybe hasn't made a commitment to you today to be their king, I pray while I'm praying right here that you simply respond and say, Jesus, please be my king. Be my good shepherd. I give my life to you willingly, Lord. I choose to follow you in paths of righteousness. In Jesus' good name I pray, amen. Would you join us as we sing this next song, as you prepare for communion around your living room and your kitchen, wherever you're sitting right now? And let's worship with a song, and then we'll come back together to commemorate what Jesus did on the cross for us as he was the Lamb of God.